I've been getting in my steps, lifting weights, and now I'm trying really hard to get as much protein as I can. That's why I'm excited about trying Clean Simple Eats because they're just that, clean and simple. Their protein powder is always grass-fed with no seed oils or artificial ingredients. It's third-party tested and non-GMO and gluten-free. They've got 26 delicious all-natural flavors. You really can't go wrong with any of them. They've got Simply Vanilla and other unique flavors like cookies and cream, caramel toffee, and even cinnamon roll. I have a feeling my entire family may just like Clean Simple Eats protein powder, and they're probably going to use it every day because it's so easy to put into your milk or a recipe my daughter loves to bake or in a smoothie, which my son loves to drink almost every day. You can It's amazing really in any form. Visit cleansimpleeats.com and use the code ASKLISA20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's cleansimpleeats.com with the code ASKLISA20 for 20% off your first order. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Ask Lisa, a podcast to help people understand the psychology of parenting, now in the midst of a pandemic. Psychologist Dr. Lisa Damore, author of two New York Times best-selling parenting books, takes your questions. And I'm co-host Rena Ninen, a journalist and mom of two. Some of what we talk about comes from raising children ourselves. Most of the time, I'll be getting answers to your parenting questions. So send your questions to AskLisa at drlisademore.com. Episode 45, I don't like my kids' friends. What should I do? Do you remember that feeling when school started when you were a kid and everything depended on whose class you were in and which friends mm-hmm. were in your class? I mean, that determined so much. Absolutely. And and like I'm living it again. I bet in some ways you are too with my elementary school daughter where every fall, you know, they're sort of eagerly awaiting the letter about who her teacher is and then calling around to all yeah. her, you know, yep. the, the other parents. Like, who do you guys have? Who do you guys have? Because there are kids, you know, she wants in her class and wants to know they're going to be there. It's huge. It's huge. But, you know, I think a lot about how do I have my kid understand what, what makes a good friend, who's a good friend. I realized my parents didn't really meddle much in the friends that I chose. They kind of were happy and and didn't intervene. But we got this letter from a mom that got me thinking, and it says, Dear Lisa, we have three daughters, two are teenagers, and we also have a tween. We're pleased with so many friend choices they're making. However, our oldest daughter, who is 17, chooses friends who show her lots of attention but do not provide the most positive peer influence. She struggles with self-confidence in social situations, even though she's very bright, athletic, and accomplished. How can we address the confidence issue and, in turn, also address her choice of friends? We have one more year before she leaves for college. Thank you for considering my question. What do you think the mom should do? It's interesting. I mean, she sounds like she's got this great kid. She does sound like she has a great kid. And I love the way the mom posed this, which is, I have this really great kid with low confidence 
And so she's drawn to a group that shows her a lot of attention, you know, maybe showers her with, you know, affection or interest. But they're a little naughty is what it sounds like. You know, I mean, she says, you know, um, what, what did she say, like poor social choices? Um, yeah. And so you get the impression that maybe they're in a faster lane than is comfortable for this mom or they're pushing the boundaries of what is acceptable behavior or they're doing risky things. And so this mom has so um, so thoughtfully, you know, kind of constructed the problem, which is I think if my kid felt better about herself, she might not hang out with kids who do these dicey things, but these kids are good to her and so she's going along with or close friends with kids who are doing things that I don't feel good about. So do you think there's a problem? Like the, the kid sounds like she's doing well, but the mom is sort of like, uh, I don't know. That's actually a good way to ask this. Like, like, what's the problem here? Right. So that, I think, is how we're going to start to try to pull this apart. So there's different kinds of problems that could be happening here. And if we can home in on, you know, what the problems might be, it actually then gives us a way to think about what might be done about it. So the first question I would ask is, is the daughter uncomfortable about these friendships? Because especially at 17, you're going to need her buy-in to make any changes. And it's not clear from the letter, but I think it's the kind of question that a parent would ask first any time they don't feel good about a kid's friends. And this, this girl's on the older side. She's 17. But this happens all through development, you know, where you're like, really? That kid? You want to hang out with that kid? And I think... Even with younger kids, parents can feel like they want to get in and intervene and engineer and try to create distance from a kiddo that they're not so keen on. But even with younger kids, the question I would have parents ask first is, does my kid have any reservations about this friendship? And if they don't? but you do? Well, so that's interesting. So I think first you want to look for that possibility where you say to them, you know, I'm imagining now like a younger kid because I think that's especially when parents can feel very interventionist. You know, every time you hang out with Billy, you guys get yourselves in trouble. Have you noticed this? You know, like that kind of question. And I think you could get a couple different answers. Um, The kid could be like, Actually, I have, you know, and then the parent can say, so what do you want to do about that, right? And now this is an ideal situation because you've got the kid is in some conflict about it themselves, you know, that they've got a problem as far as they're concerned, which then means they're much more likely to partner with you or take some initiative around trying to fix the problem of, you know, hanging out with a kid who gets themselves in trouble. That'd be great. It also may be where the kid's like, yeah, whatever, Billy's lots of fun, <laughs> you know, and that their kid does not seem to be in much conflict about it at all. So then let's say you've got that second scenario, either with my imagined sort of younger Billy friendship or this, you know, 17-year-old's older friendship. So say the parent has either posed the question or kind of knows the kid's actually fine with it. You know, the kid feels good enough about this. And, um, and it's the parent who's uneasy. Is the parent who's not comfortable. Um, then I think that sets us down a very different path. So what if you reach the point, you know, I actually worry about dating too, I, that I'll feel, oh, that kid at some point that my kids will bring home somebody and I'll wonder that. But if 
your kid is okay with the relationship and doesn't have a problem, then what do you do? Well, so then I think the parent needs to try to figure out what's behind the poor choice of friends. And this mom has a theory, right, that the daughter's confidence is low. Um, But that would be where I'd want this to go, which is, okay, the kid is okay with it or says they're okay with it or actually is okay, you know, does seem to be completely comfortable with this arrangement, whether it's a not ideal friendship or not ideal romance, but the parent is not okay with it. Um, So then the parent needs to think like, well, why is my kid going along with this or putting up with this or drawn to, you know, this friendship that feels less than ideal? And, you know, so in this particular letter, the mom's view is like the girl's confidence is low. And again, even with a younger child, but especially with a 17-year-old, I would want the parent to try to raise those questions directly with the child. And and I know I say this all the time, but I'm just going to keep saying it again because it seems to me like such a critical principle. All teenagers have two sides. You know, they have a impulsive, less mature, sometimes snarky side, and they have a philosophical, broad-minded, thoughtful side. And so I would have this mom reach out to her daughter and say, you know, honey, help me understand this. You're amazing, right? You are such a neat kid on so many levels. And yet my sense is you don't feel that way about yourself. And to put that out there for the 17-year-old to either respond to or just to chew on. What do you do, though? Because it feels like by the teenage years, I would think like by 17, it's impossible to change their friendships, right? And, and if you were to be like, I don't like that person when I was 17, I think I would have rebelled against that. No? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, right? I mean, and that's what's so hard is, you know, the the piece around, you know, putting the question about confidence for the girl between the parent and child, like that one keeps it away from the friends. But, you know, kids know when we don't like their friends. (laughs) Kids are very aware of this, right? So even if a mom or a dad is very earnest and saying, like, cutie, I worry about your confidence, you know, kids are working with a lot of contextual information about what's behind anything that comes out of our mouths. And so the kid is going to be very well aware of, like, okay, mom may be worried about my confidence, but this is about my friends. And so then, you know, it does mean that sometimes it's going to end up either on the table or understood that the parent is uneasy with the friendship. So the first thing I would actually have the parent do is to cop to that because kids know it, right? I mean, and just, I mean, we really have to work with the assumption that you pretty much can't put anything past kids and you certainly can't put anything past teenagers. So how do you have that conversation? Do you say like, okay, I know you're not going to listen to what I'm about to say, but... Actually, I do kind of like that setup, you know, because I think it's it's on. So you might say, look, I know this isn't what you want to hear, but I'm not going to hide, you know, I, but I think you suspect this. You know, I, th- I think I would just own that and say, look, I don't I get uneasy about your friendships with this particular pack of kids. And I'll tell you why. I think that they are doing things that are not altogether safe. And I get it that they love you and you love them, but I worry about your safety when you're with them. And that does seem to be the nugget of the mom's concern, you know, that they are, you know, doing some things that are pushing the edge. 
And I would put that conflict in front of the teenager and have the teenager respond to it. So I would actually own the problem. Um, you know, and I think you, you can imagine a lot of different scenarios of not liking your kid's friends. You could say, you know, I um, I get it that you really like these kids. I don't like the way I see them acting out in public. Or I get it that you like these kids, but, you know, I've seen some of the stuff they put up online and it's really offensive. Own it straight out. Own it straight out. Do you find, though, because you deal with a ton of teens, you know, you see a ton of teens, you've understood this for decades. Do they listen to you when you approach it to them? Because what I'm most terrified about the teenagers is I have a certain opinion. I know they're going down the wrong path, but they're not going to listen to me because I remember what it was like to be a teen. Oh, 100%, Rena. And here is the thing that is um, amazing about teenagers they can actually be having the same questions, right? You could have a teenager who's like, I don't know about these friends. Like, I feel like I'm getting in trouble all the time or they're doing stuff that feels really risky to me. And then if the parent is like, we need to talk about your friends. They seem to be getting in trouble all the time. They're doing things that feel risky to me. The kids can be like, they're my friends. I can't believe you were raising these questions. I don't know what you're talking about. So we do. You're exactly at the heart of it, Rena. Like that, you know, getting into the trenches of this is that... If a parent tries to engineer, especially a teenager's friendships, it is almost certainly going to backfire. Okay, so here's what you do to stay out of that problem. Do not have this be a conflict between you and your kid. Have this try to be a conflict between the kid and the kid. So the way I would have this mom walk up to this problem is to say to her daughter, you know, separate from the confidence conversation, because I think that is something that is underneath this and worth exploring. But say to the daughter, listen, uh, I know these are your friends. I know you really like them. I also know that it is a priority for you to be safe. Like you are a smart, level-headed kid and you want to be safe. Tell me how this works, because I know they get into stuff that's not safe. How do you navigate this tension between hanging out with that pack and keeping yourself safe? Like, lay it out for me. Like, I want to know. And and make that sit with the kid. And you're not asking her opinion. You're not telling her what to do. Well, you are asking her opinion, you know, about how she manages this. But you're not throwing down. You're not creating an ultimatum. But surface that dilemma, but make it her dilemma. Mm. Make it her dilemma. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back on the Ask Lisa podcast. EarthBreeze EcoSheets look just like a dryer sheet, but instead of being a dryer sheet, they're in fact an ultra-concentrated liquidless laundry detergent. It's really the best of all worlds. EarthBreeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and to your skin. Personally, I get a huge kick out of using EarthBreeze. I love the fact that it takes up less space, is better for the environment, and yet it leaves my clothes smelling so good and it gets them so clean. Here's the bottom line. Making a positive impact in the world doesn't have to come at a cost to you. My clothes are clean, they smell great, and I feel like I actually did something good, not just for my laundry, but also for the earth. Right now, my listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. That's earthbreeze.com slash asklisa to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. 
We spend a lot of time teaching our kids please and thank you. But one thing I've realized I haven't spent a lot of time teaching my children is how to be financially responsible. We started using the Greenlight app and it's made a difference in helping them have that conversation about money and to really understand how it can affect their lives. Greenlight's a debit card and a money app that's made for families. I can send money to my kids, keep an eye on their spending and their savings. I didn't think I would need this app, but my kids are absolutely loving it. And they're getting the concept of what it means to save. I love the lessons they're learning. I love the games they're playing. I love that they are being educated at a younger age that you need to learn how to save. Sign up for the Greenlight app today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash asklisa. That's greenlight.com slash asklisa to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash asklisa. I'm all for healthy habits, but I don't trust quick fixes. This is why I love Daily Harvest. They take all of the work out of eating well, and all I have to do is enjoy. Daily Harvest makes it so easy for me to eat in the nutritious and delicious ways that I like. They take the planning, the prep, the cleanup out of cooking, and they deliver meals that are packed with vegetables and fruits straight to my door. The other thing I love about them is that it's not the same old boring meals. I love their dragon fruit and lime smoothie. I also love their butternut squash and rosemary soup. They also have this wonderful herb squash and asparagus risotto. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com slash asklisa to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com slash asklisa for $30 off your first box and free shipping. dailyharvest.com slash ask Lisa. Welcome back to the Ask Lisa podcast. So Lisa, is it ever too late to help your your kid rethink friendship? I mean, before this mom's saying she's got one year left before her kid goes off to college. And I'm also thinking about the elementary aged years where my kids are at. How do you help set them up to find and gravitate towards good friends? Well, so there's two different questions there. One is, is it too late? And the other is, how do you set it up? So let's take them one at a time. Okay, so on the too late, bluntly, honestly, I think for this mom, it may be too late for this girl to change friendship groups, at least at school, you know, if these are her school friends. We have to remember all the time that, you know, these friendships occur in these vast networks and webs. These kids are connected in a million ways. To shift friendship groups, to try to drop a friend, is really, really hard. And what I mean by that, like, you know, especially like seventh grade, so hard, and sometimes kids get themselves into dynamics that they don't want to be in. And the parent will say, like, well, maybe you just hang out with other kids or go, go sit with somebody else at lunch. Okay, try to remember being a seventh grader. If you're a seventh grader, and you typically sit at a lunch table with this group of kids. And then one day you say, um, no, I'm going to walk in the lunchroom. I'm not going to sit with the kids I have sat with all year. I'm going to go sit at that other table. Right? You might as well drop a bomb in the cafeteria. <laughs> right? I mean, that is a huge event in the seventh grade. So it sounds so good to us to be like, you know, just try out other kids. It is usually unrealistic. So what I would say at this point in development, and even, I mean, certainly by adolescence, and especially when kids are no longer changing classes as much, you know, they're not um, assigned to grade levels where they're with the same homeroom all year. 
I think there's just a lot of fodder for conversation about what friendships are working or not. A lot of asking kids to navigate the dilemmas their friendships put them in um, and how they feel good about that or don't. And then I would say, you know, like for a high school junior or senior, you know, like this girl is, the parents should probably accept these are going to be her school friends for the duration of high school. And instead, turn the focus of conversation to what she's learned about these friendships that she wants to take with her to the next step of her social life. That whatever else, I know this is probably really frustrating for this mom, there's going to be a giant reset button on these friends when they all leave high school, you know, and whatever they do next. And so the kind of conversation I think would be really fruitful is to say, what have you learned in terms of what works for you in these friendships? What have you learned in terms of what you wish were different about your friendships? How can you pursue that? You know, let's presume she's going to college, in college. Like, what are you going to keep an eye out for? What are you going to go avoid? But to treat it as, you know, we're all learning and growing. We all have phases of our lives. We all have chapters in our friendships. And to be forward-looking, but to not have the idea that it's so easy for kids to shift around friendship groups or drop friends when they are all still going to school together every day, eating lunch together every day, you know, assigned to lab groups um, in science together every day. It is not easy just to back out of a bad friendship situation. Hmm. So, but what about the setting up? What do you do about that? Okay. Um, A lot of this parents don't have too much say over because so much of it goes down at school and so much of it goes down at recess. And what I think parents can take comfort in is at the younger ages, there's a lot more fluidity in terms of who kids are friends with. You know, that friendships don't often last the duration of an entire school year. Kids move much more... um, commonly in and out of friendships over the course of a year. So I like the fact, I mean, it's all—it's a lot easier. Young kids are often talking with us about the kids at school who they like and don't like, talking with us about what's going on on the playground or, you know, at recess. And so I would really have the parent entertain those questions and those conversations as opportunities to talk about who does it feel good to be with, who does it not feel good to be with. And then the very tricky situation Who's the kid where sometimes it feels great and sometimes it feels awful to be with them, right? That's so common, that kind of hot and cold kid. Yeah. And and really um, to ask a lot of questions, be really curious, and then to continue to stick to the line in the response to say to kids, here's the goal. You want to find kids where being with them brings out the best in you. That when you are with them, you are the best version of yourself. And so who does that for you? And who, when you're with them, are you not at your best, right? We all have better and worse aspects of our personality. So kiddo, my goal for you is find the kids who bring out the part of yourself that you like most and spend time with them. So that's where we want to offer guidance on the front end. Mm. I worry about dating. I mean, my kids are only in elementary school, but what I worry about most is they're going to bring home somebody I just can't stand. <laughs> and I think that goes back to picking good friends, right? I mean, it does. Am I actually. the only parent who like the kid is 10 and 9 and I'm already worried about this? I bet you're not the only parent and I actually think you're on the right track. I mean, no surprise, but like we do know that 
how people have friendships also dictates how they have romances. And a lot of it, again, comes down to how do you expect to be treated? How do you expect relationship transactions to go down? And so kids who are holding their friends to high standards, hang out with kids who make them feel good, hang out with kids who bring out the parts of themselves that they take most pride in, those kids are more likely to go on into romances that are equitable and kind. And kids who get themselves into friendships where they kind of take turns being awful to each other or, you know, there's kind of a boss and a follower, that doesn't necessarily paint a promising picture for the kind of romances they're going to tolerate. Because the way we should think about romance, it's like friendship plus kissing. You know, so, <laughs> so we want kids to have good friendships. And I think, again, there's nothing you say to a kid about the kind of friendships you want to have, you know, or want them to have that doesn't apply to the kind of romances you want them to have. Like, you should be at your best. You should feel good about who you are with that person. Those are universals. What do you think really cuts through it, particularly with teens, about getting them to understand the cost that can come with bad friendships? You know, it's interesting. When I think about our friendships, I think about these as the relationships that are optional. You know, we have so many relationships in our lives that are non-optional, like, you know, the families we're born into and the people, you know, our bosses, things like that. Like, we spend a lot of time in relationships that we don't get to choose. And so one way to construct conversations around friendships is like, hey, this is the great domain of choice, right? This is where you have total say. And you know, a junior and senior in high school may be like, yeah, right now I actually don't have that much say. I got these kids in my class. These are the kids I'm friends with. My options are limited. And that may be true. But at broad scale, I think we want to help kids focus on the fact that if they're in a friendship that feels bad, that's on them. That they had a choice there and they keep having a choice there. And we do find ourselves in relationships that don't feel so good. And sometimes we can't get out of them. But we want to try to feel good in our relationships, and so then we want that to be especially true in the ones where we really do have say. Hmm. So before you go, um, I'd love to get your advice, Lisa, on parenting to go. The parenting to go for this one reminds me of something we were talking about last season, about when kids are struggling to make friends. But I think that there's a piece here that applies when you don't like a kid's friends. And that one of the solutions that parents can help affect, even with an older teenager, is to try to have new people in that kid's traffic pattern, to try to create conditions where other, perhaps in this case, better friendships could happen. So that for younger kids may be, you know, after school programming or cool things in the summer. For older kids, things like volunteer positions and jobs, especially jobs that are populated by other teenagers, things like lifeguarding, you know, working in an ice cream store. It is so often the case that in the job situation, kids meet other teenagers who are neat and they enjoy, and that can help them start to branch out in their friendships or make better friendships. And they also then don't have to dump their school friends, which is a very hard thing to do, but it does help them expand their social repertoire and put themselves in positions where maybe they're getting a feel for how you really want them to experience friendships as 
enhancing, joyful, and really bringing out the best of who your kid is. Mm. So much to think about on just the friendship level for your kid. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. You're so right. Thanks so much, Lisa. In our episode next week, we're going to look into how you help a kid who shuts you out. I'll see you next week, Lisa. See you next week. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. And send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And now a word from our lawyers. The advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week.